Hello, welcome to Marcel's Medieval Magic, the podcast that has me, Marcel Losada, reading through and commenting on medieval texts with my friends who have not heard or read these texts because they all have lives. Our guest today is James Ninnis. James, how you doing? That's quite a presumption. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm feeling better than I think I should now. That was very nice of you to say. Yeah, well, I think... Um, you all do have lives and they're beautiful, busy, brilliant lives that uh, contribute to society, so. Yes, sure, I'm a, okay, yeah, let's go with that. <laughs> I know you, uh, you're doing better at contributing to society, I think, than I am, so <laughs> you can take solace in that. I try, yeah. <laughs> I think you succeed, so. Well, I definitely get people to buy shit they don't need and that is my job, so. There you go. Uh, there you go. Yeah. Yeah. You're making capitalism happen for mm -hmm. people who are <laughs> incredibly wealthy. And now I feel like I'm doing better than you. <laughs> See? So, yeah. Who's here for who? <laughs> Indeed. So, James, our mm -hmm. episode today is Sir Corneas. <laughs> I thought for sure I would have known like a little bit about what you were going to say. And I've never heard of Corneas in my life. So I'm so excited right now. Excellent. You have heard some of the, so, okay. I'll start today uh, by also telling you that our editor for this tale is a recurring podcast person here, George Shuffleton, a man who once single-handedly in real life arm wrestled King Arthur. I'll let you decide whether that's true or not. But uh, J Mr. James Ninnis, what do you know about King Arthur? Uh, I know he's had a lot of bad movies. Um, I know uh, my dude had some family issues growing up. Sister did not get along well with his sibling. That's that's probably an understatement. Oh, yeah. Do you um, remember her name? Mo Morgan. Morgan? Uh -huh. Yep. Right? Morgan Le Fay. Yeah. Yep, yep. Uh, I know Merlin, of course. I feel like that's, that's the easy way out. Uh, and I could probably name two of the 12 knights that hung out at his table. All right. Um, if I had to. Yeah, there's one that was with a green knight. Yeah, Gawain. Gawain. Yeah. But didn't, so in the movie, they said it like uh, almost like Wayne. They were like Wayne. Like they almost didn't give the G uh, a moment. Right. Yeah. And that, that's possible if you take it as a prefix, right? I think that's a more uh, French version. I think I picked up on that when I was there. If the emphasis, because all the Saxon stuff hits out the front, unless mm -hmm. there is like a prefix like uh, Yebrecken or something mm -hmm. like that. Otherwise, it's like Burgstead, Burston. You know, it's a real boom, boom, boom kind of punchy language. Um, okay, so that's a pretty good base. Now, uh, a follow-up question to that is, what do you expect that we'll see in a story with the venerable King Arthur here? Uh, I think there's going to be temptation, probably sex, probably violence, um, probably uh, a sense of humor that involves puns or something uh, uh, common people in, in tone. Uh, and I think there's going to be a little bit of magic that works very deus ex. All right. I think let's, let's remember those expectations as we launch into this tale. I, hope I will not tell you. <laughs> I'm not, did, did, did. Uh, so the introduction of this text, and this is mostly just information about the text itself, right? The book physically. Mm -hmm. Um, so Sir Corneas is one of many poems in Oxford Baudelaire Library, MS Ashmole 61. 
the only manuscript in which it survives. So this is uh, the only copy, the only extant copy of this particular tale. It doesn't show up anywhere else in the world, right? Uh, and where it appears on folios, 59 through 62, I think, V62. Manuscript as a whole has been recently descri uh, described and edited by George Shuffleton, as we mentioned, uh, that baddie. Many of the poems in the manuscript are signed by somebody named Rate. Sir Cornius is not, but the poem immediately before it in the manuscript, Libius Desconus, ends Amen Quad Rate. So Rate would be the name of the scribe rather than the poem, or the poet, rather. So we do know who wrote this down, uh, and he wrote a bunch of things in this book, Codex Ashmole 61. Uh, it ended up, uh, the book itself is, uh, was found in somebody's uh, library, right? And it was probably some rich guy commissioned all of this to be written down, right, and collected. Right. So... There it is. And I'm not going to give you any more than that for now, but we will look at the editor's introduction after we've read the piece, because I think it's brilliant to tie it in at the end instead of the beginning. Yeah, don't spoil me on, on shit. Exactly. Yeah, it would be, well, let's start. Text starts. All that will hear this solace. Now, the word solace here means uh, entertainment, according to the editor. And, and I want to point out that we have a narrator and that there's a reason why this happens. We're at the birth of books, so every story is either meant to be read out loud or that this story has been recorded from somebody who was speaking it. So, you know, right. rich dude pays for a scribe and somebody to talk to the scribe and they work it out and write it down, right? Uh, this is before uh, really printing presses as we know them really caught on. Everything's handwritten at this point and it's probably a giant pain in the ass, you know? But. And I, I love that creativity and the ability to write were two different things. Oh yeah. Like now it's, I mean, you could say the same thing is true now. <laughs> <laughs> places, but uh, the ability to write did not mean you should just come up with stuff to write. Right. No, people would be like, why would you do that? <laughs> it's like, it's yeah. way too expensive. Why are you wasting your brain on this paper? Right. <laughs> Absolutely. And it also ties in the fact that um, the literate were a very tiny per uh, percentage yeah. who were probably very, um, you know, like their creative writing would have been by hand a lot more, but they wouldn't have, you know, there, there's poems and things like that, but they probably did start by just speaking it and, and this oral tradition and people were more interested in recording history and thought that like, you know, there's, there's, there was a shift at some point that where poetry became like a low thing to like a more elevated thing. And, right. and it happens around this time, you know, like that, that um, when printing things become cheaper. Yeah, before that, it was just posterity. We need to make sure this is remembered. Yeah, that's right. that's correct. That's how okay. I, I've um, heard it. And yeah, so, and creativity, as the cost of things comes down, you know, a lot of it's an economy thing too. As yeah. the cost of things come down, then there's a profligation of written materials for it. Some, also, yeah. Amazon, what is it? Just print it on Amazon, bro. Yeah. Just, everybody <laughs> can have a book now. Well, yeah, now Nazis write their own books yeah, and it's dude. really bad. My kids, <laughs> so, my, yeah. my four-year-old's going to publish like five. It's fine. Don't worry about <laughs> it. Everybody gets a book. Yeah. We, uh, if it wasn't for, you know, anyway, that's, I'm going to start being like super leftist at the beginning and I think I should save that <laughs> for later, but you know, um, we should probably handle that at Amazon and like just observe. And maybe if it's a bunch of, uh, you know, uh, 
right-wing extremist groups publishing things and we see that happening a lot we should stop it but eh. well, it's like you know, what chris rock say if you want to stop shootings make the bullets expensive right right yeah make the pages expensive when you print your own book and it's uh, you'll see a lot of this bullshit go away yeah that's true you know a lot of it's access and some people think uh you know oh, we should hear all voices um you know what? No, I'm no, I disagree. against that. Yeah, absolutely. I spend most uh, of my life trying to forget half of the ones I've already heard. Why would I oh, want to yeah. hear everybody else's? 100%. Yeah. No, thanks. Yeah. So uh, our editor, uh, let's see here, mentions uh, this in the, uh, in the introduction that the scribe Rate used a lot of abbreviations for words also. So this uh, suggests to me that he probably was getting this story from someone who was telling it. So he's writing it in shorthand. And, uh, you know, George Shuffleton kind of takes his time to unpack the work and do what he needs to do. Uh, let's see here. Uh, it could also be that he was just a lazy scribe. That's quite possible. And, you know, ultimately, there's these theories are on a spectrum of plausibility. So poor writer though dude he's like either he was writing really fast or he just fucking sucked like, yeah. one of those two yeah it's okay he's way dead doesn't matter yeah. so anyway our narrator speaker says harkens uh which is a great medieval word used to signal that a story is about to begin so harkens now and you shall hear if you can understand of a joke i will tell you that is full good and true that happens sometime in England, which it's spelled Y-N-G-L-O-N-D. And that's England. Proper way. Yeah. 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 I guess. I don't know. Uh, spelling wasn't invented yet. <laughs> so it's like literally. They just the spell things however now. they want. Thank yeah. You. Yeah. You still see that. Like, have, have you seen how you spell Leicester? Like L-E-S-S-E-R? No, it's like Leicester is what it looks like. Oh, yes. Yeah. And, but it's pronounced like Leicester. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, fuck that. It's <laughs> not. Fuck them all. Yeah. yeah. And I'm going to mispronounce things and fuck you. And that's okay. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. King Arthur had great honor. He had many castles and towers under his control and was well known. A good example, example here means more like a story or a lesson. I will tell you about a chance, which is an adventure, that happened to him one day. Hearken to my story. Yeah, he said hearken like three times already. Here we go. King Arthur loved cuckolds. <laughs> I mean, who doesn't? Like, <laughs> that's that's where we're starting. Did you have cuckolds on your uh, expectations of the I King mean, Arthur if, story? If you mashed a couple of things I said together, then yeah, I think I kind of did. But yeah, I mean, there's sex involved. There's that, I feel like that's sex and magic. Keep going. Yeah. So if anybody doesn't know what a cuckold is, by the way, who's listening to this, which shame on you, it's a man whose wife has cheated on him. Uh, it's an interesting term to analyze as it's a very gendered term. It originates mm -hmm. from the, cuck, uh, the cuckoo bird is the way we pronounce it, right? But I think it might have been pronounced the cuckoo bird. But anyway, the cuckoo bird, right? Uh, it lays its eggs in the nest of other birds. And you might be able to see the parallel. A man would end up raising another man's child with his wife without even knowing it. Holy shit. I had no idea that that was where that came from. Yeah. Previous to this, neither did I until I started to look it up um, because I remembered we talked about it in class at some point. Um, and this is why the female term doesn't really work, right? Because presumably the woman wouldn't be raising a child that was not of her own if her husband was unfaithful, right? right? 
it's still her child if she's unfaithful, right? right. So there, there, there is a word for it though, which is uh, cuck queen. Yeah, yeah it, it doesn't roll either. I don't like that. <laughs> yeah, and uh, it's not really a word that has any the same meaning or power. No, either. You know. No. Yeah. So uh, a little interesting tidbit, but yeah. So anyway, our narrator goes on. King Arthur loved cuckolds, as I promise you. He honored them both by day and night in all manner of things. And as I have read in stories, he was a cuckold surely. For truth, it is no lie. So our narrator really wants to sell this, by the way. So yeah, for truth, it is no lie is probably my favorite phrase. Like, <laughs> hey, honestly, not lying. Yes, yeah. Like, the, well, then shit, I believe you. I mean... <laughs> See, I, I go the opposite way. I'm just like, no, you definitely. No like one, no one would tell me two times in a row they're being honest ever. To, I mean, fuck. Okay, this is real. <laughs> uh, if you're playing a drinking game with us, this should be the point to say you can drink when you hear the word "harkens." You can drink when you hear the words uh, uh, "truthfully." You can also drink when you hear the word "cuckold." All right, those oh are the three. He's yeah. so fucked up. You're gonna be destroyed by the end of this. <laughs> Harkin sires to what I say here in this place. So that's drink. You may hear solace, which means entertainment again, and play if you take good heed. King Arthur had a bugle horn. And this is less like a, a military bugle that you would play taps on, right? Which is the first thing that comes to my mind. Yeah. Um, and more like a Viking horn cup, if that makes okay. it clear. Yeah. yeah. So it's just a horn. Most people associate them with Vikings. So I figured I'd go with it, right? But it was yeah, popular. Yeah drinking vessel uh, in lots of cultures across Europe uh, and other places. So this horn st uh, stood ever before him, wherever he did go. For when he was seated at the table, immediately the horn would be fetched so that he may drink from it. For much skill, and, and this means like skill means like abilities or tricks, right? Um, so many, many tricks, uh, many things did he learn through the horn. And oftentimes he saw the truth of the matter and he knew no other way to obtain this knowledge except through the horn. Hmm. Okay, so it seems like this horn is enchanted, right? And we'll see. Yeah. If any cuckold should drink from the horn, he would spill his drink without fail. Therefore. No, that's true. That's yeah. true today. Cuckolds can't hold it. They don't know. <laughs> they, yeah, they can't. They are yeah. spellbound today, Just too. Spilling shit everywhere. Like, oh, look at that guy. We know. Yeah. Then they're doubly sad. <laughs> we know. They've been cheated on and they can't get drunk. That's right. They're bastards. Yeah. Yeah. Therefore, and this is my, this is great. Therefore, they, meaning the men around Arthur, were not glad. <laughs> <laughs> Some dude accidentally spills a little. He's like, guys, just chill out, please. Like, <laughs> I didn't. Deborah's fine. Leave her alone. She didn't. It's all good. Yeah. <laughs> just spilled a little on my blouse. It's fine. That's yeah. You know, I swear. I promise. <laughs> Deborah, come here. We got to talk. <laughs> Deborah, you spilled. Deborah, tell them. Tell them you didn't cheat on me. Tell them they're laughing at me, Deborah. <laughs> yeah. Damn it, Debbie. Uh, <laughs> therefore, they had great dispity, which means uh, shame because the horn did them villainy and dishonor and oftentimes made them sad. <laughs> yep, that follows. Yeah, I imagine it did. 
Yeah, so to recap a little bit, just because I feel like I need to set this scene a little bit more and make it a little more, uh, I want to say, maybe modern uh, sensitivities. Arthur has his magic horn that he appears to always keep. So he's always got this thing with him. Well, not only does he have a magic horn, when he walks into a room, someone, and he sits down, there's a motherfucker who goes and gets that horn. Like his job is to go get Arthur's drinking vessel and bring it. And all the guys are like, God damn it, every fucking time. Because if anybody spills their drink around them, they're like, well, your wife's banging dudes. Like that's, sorry, man. Yeah, I mean, you nailed exactly what I was gonna say. You've recapped it for us, and I appreciate that. The King Arthur I got you. Tears. See, I'm here. I'm fucking locked into this shit. You are, mm. we're on page, my friend, same page. Mm. Um, and this this all makes, you know, you're right. Whenever there's a party, he cracks his things out because he thinks it's hilarious. And that makes Arthur like, pretty much a dick <laughs> you know, yeah, like, but here's yeah. the thing i would too like i would 100 <laughs> percent. i know why you gave me this story because i would want if i had a glass that if i was drinking out of it and my friend spilled that menzo lady i would 100 drink it i would carry it with me in my pocket literally everywhere <laughs> i'd bring i'd be like hey guys what's up well knowing our friend group we'd all have herpes and <laughs> oh <know>? yeah like, <laughs> Meaning we're drinking from the same thing. Not that all of our wives are sleeping. Hey, listen, let them think what they want to think, Marcel. That's fine. Uh, I don't care about this audience. Yeah, sure. Yeah. When the king would have his entertainment, the bugle would be fetched and brought into that place to make entertainment and game. And then the cuckold's mood would change. (laughs) The poor sad cuckold. (laughs) <laughs> oh, it gets worse. <laughs> Let me tell you what he does with them. This is okay. The king called all the, I love this word, um, Lordingis. So it means gentlemen. It's like Lord. That's, that's something I'm using now. Lordingis. Yeah. <laughs> Lordingis. Good morning, Lordingis. Uh, yes, indeed. Good morning, Sir King. Uh, so he brought them all together. The men would then see plenty of game when every cuckold was laughed at and the cuckolds would be sorely shamed. Wherever cuckolds were sought, before the king they were brought, both less and more, meaning low class, high class, the king just fucking gets off on just bringing forth all the cuckolds and then they all get in a circle and make fun of them. That's it. Yep. (laughs) So, King Arthur was like the original high school asshole. (laughs) Yeah. He's a total dick. <laughs> like he was the original bully. In this one, he is. Yeah. Usually, he's a little more, uh, sometimes, valiant than this. And we'll get to why maybe later. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, King Arthur then truly, uh, let's see. Sorry. I want to make sure I'm on the right place. Yeah. King Arthur then truly ordered through his own assent, which means decision here, truthfully, drink, as I tell you, the permanent table. Uh, so this is kind of interesting um, note here that most of the tables in a medieval hall were actually movable boards. And they're actually called boards, like tables as B-O-R-D a lot of times, just board. Mm. Um, and it's because they would take them away when there wasn't people. And when there were people, they would bring them all out and lay them on um, these little like sawhorse kind of things, right? So huh. uh, except... Uh, that there was a table dormant, which uh, was a fixed table reserved for the highest ranking members of the household and selected guests of honor. So like the king's table would always be there. Yeah, that was fixed. Right, yeah. But every other table, and and it meant something. If you sat at the fixed table, that meant you were like 
at the highest point, right, of the social um, uh, ladder. And this is a very class society still at this point. So yeah, yeah, this book comes from like uh, early uh, 1400s, 15th century. So, you know, um, there's not, there's the beginnings, there's like rumblings of humanism uh, that have happened, especially in the 14th century, that Peasants Revolt, 1351 uh, comes to mind, right? Like, but significant progress in that front won't be made until like the later 1500s, early 1600s. And it depends where. Yeah. Yeah, so. Uh, they were too busy with the cuckolds for about 200 years. Uh, apparently, yeah. No one wanted that party to end. <laughs> You'll see. So uh, King Arthur orders that this uh, permanent table that he has, that the cuckolds were to be seated to have entertainment and play. So he's taking all the cuckolds and he's putting them at the best table. Yeah, well, listen, they need something. Yeah. For at the table, none should be seated but the cuckolds and their brothers, right? So I don't know if that means like, other cuckolds, like brotherhood becomes a thing later, but um, like cuckolds. Yeah, not and, siblings, and surely. I don't think that's what it means. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. fellow cuckolds. Yes, that's the way I read it. Is, like, is that like a group of, like a herd of cuckolds? Yeah, a I don't bro- know. A brother of cuckolds? Oh, that's great, yeah. yeah. It's a group uh, pronoun for them. Let's do that. The brother brotherhood of cuckolds? Yes. Brotherhood of cuckolds. Oh, look, there's a brotherhood of cuckolds. <laughs> you I'm know, gonna- <laughs> what cracks me up about this too is I feel like, 10 years ago, people didn't use the term cuckold that much at all. No, uh, porn brought it back. Yeah, it had like this resurgence, right? Yeah, 100%. and like people I've just, heard. I've yeah. heard. <laughs> Where people call you cuck and stuff Yeah, too. dude. Like, have you seen that on the internet? That came with, so. with Snowflake too. Uh, the, yes. if, you were, if you had any liberal sensibilities, you were a cuck or a snowflake. Um, but it turns out, turns out, it was, it was Arthur and his bro team that was actually, uh, Riding the cuckold wave, shall we say? Not the liberals. Just <laughs> yep, absolutely. It was a bunch of uh, fictional dead uh, English bastards, which kind of makes sense, you know. Honestly. The first frat. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's really the best way to describe Arthur in all of his. It's the first frat. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Hmm. Interesting mm-hmm. way to look at it too, mm-hmm. um, especially where this is going. <laughs> so. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, anyway, to tell the truth, I must. Uh, so now, again, all the cuckolds and their brothers are together. And again, the narrator says, to tell the truth, I must, which means you must drink. Uh, that when the cuckolds were seated, garlands of willows should be fetched and set upon their heads. So they have to wear this crown of willows. If you're wondering why willow, uh, the editor tells us that willows were traditionally associated with those unlucky in love. Huh. Yeah. I thought, yeah, that's great. Yeah. And sad. Yeah. So he seats them all at the table. <laughs> he puts <laughs> crowns on their heads. Of Willow. <laughs> um, it's like, I'm telling you, it's like making a shirt. You know what I mean? It says snowflake on it and you got to wear this. Yeah. yeah. It keeps getting worse. <laughs> yeah. So, of the best meat without lie that was set before the king brought from far and near, Arthur sent to the cuckles and bade them to be glad and made good cheer of them all. And okay. he said, yeah. So he gives them a good meal. I mean, that right. seems nice. Like you got, listen, you got to wear these little willow hats, but you're going to eat well. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, because you're not eating at home. Because <laughs> your wives are out fucking other guys. <laughs> because someone else is eating at your home. Yeah. <laughs> That's, yep. 
and it's an innuendo. <laughs> oh, you wait for innuendos. <laughs> there, there will be a couple here. Yeah. Okay. Some entendres, uh, or uh, as I like to call them, medieval euphemisms for sex. So, uh, and Arthur said, "Lord of Dingies." For your lives, be never angrier with your wives for any reason. From women come dukes and kings, I tell you without lie. Out of them come our manhood. And, yeah. And yeah, well, yeah, right? Like, this is I surprising. Mean, <laughs> yeah. Actually, yeah. Don't get the girls got to get theirs and they're going to make all of, you know, humanity. So just chill the fuck out. Give them a minute. Let them have the, do what they want to do. Yeah. And, and if you're, if you're thinking this is like a surprisingly feminist line that just came out of this medieval text, um, just wait a second and we'll come back to that point. So mm. uh, it happened surely that the Duke of Gloucester came in solemnly to the court with great might. Oh, and one thing I do want to point out actually before this Duke of Gloucester guy comes in, um, he does say from them comes our manhood, but he's also stamping and you could read it this way, right? That it is a um he's just stamping that women exist to produce rulers oh the broodmares it's it's right. just a uh, uh okay so it's less of a let them get theirs because we owe them everything and more of a who cares because that's what they're there for right they're there for the fucking yeah so that's unfortunate see but now we're back to frat boy arthur and i should have seen that I yeah seen that coming so, and again, um, you know, this is a leftist podcast. I guarantee you, if this was a far more patriarchal enforcing podcast, they would probably read that as like a super feminist moment. Yeah. Um, but I can Arthur easily, cares. right. <laughs> yeah. You know, cause, cause it does sound good. I, I mean, the line uh, out of them come our manhood is really good. Yeah. But like, just take it also just shamed the cuckolds, put them at a fancy table and keep them willow crowns. I don't think he's like, but wait, also, women are great, guys. Let's not shame them. Like, uh, talking to the people he has just shamed in front of his entire kingdom. Right. Yeah, no. Okay, yeah. yeah. Frat Boy Arthur makes more sense. And uh, as I mentioned, you know, um, the a lot of this stuff translates to into modern society. So this is like, uh, you know, top-tier white knighting, right? Like, yeah. um, my lady and all that stuff. Like, that, that, that bullshit. It's totally anti-feminist. Yep. Um, and so I just wanted to stamp that before we did move forward. Um, just in God, case some this, people were like, yeah, you know, like, Gloucester about to do. Whoa. Yeah. Oh, Gloucester. Okay. Let's go. I mean, um, if you had to come in and like set that. Oh, okay. So it's funny. You mentioned this. So the Duke of Gloucester comes in solemnly to the court with uh, great might. It says, so uh, he probably brings all of his dudes, right? Like, uh, you know, he's got a bunch of people, uh, these nights, even in, um, Sir Gowan and Ewain, right? Um, yeah. We had, uh, my brother was surprised that Sir Ewain, or Sir Gowan, uh, no, Ewain goes back to his house and he's got like a full like troop of people that he oh, commands. Yeah. yeah, but it's, it, it totally makes sense, right? Like these knights and stuff and these dukes have huge groups of men that- We're know, used to thinking of them as serving Arthur, but I think we forget that there's many who serve them. Like their prestige does not come at the cost or on the backs of no one. Right. They're exactly. going to have their own rules uh, beneath them. Yeah. And they probably have a couple hundred guys each where if yeah. they, you know, their, their ability to pool their resources right. is what's, exactly. what's uh, really special. Right. But individually, they're still like the top of their food chain. Sure. Sure. You know? Yeah. Because it's feudalism. Right. Like that's that's what it is. 100 percent. 
So it happened, surely, that this Duke of Gloucester comes in solemnly to the court with great might. The editor tells us that the first Duke of Gloucester was Thomas of Woodstock, which party, there we go, one of the sons of King Edward III. Uh, the title is thus an anachronism in this context. The title has traditionally been given to one of the younger sons of the king. So the narrator is name dropping this for some reason. Um, it could be that maybe this was written so because that was a person people knew or to mm. give it some realism. You know, there's a lot of digging you could do on this point. I did not do that because that's outside the scope of this podcast, really. But, sure. Um, it's, in, it's just uh, interesting that they are tying somebody who is probably more contemporary to Arthurian legend. Yeah, yeah, and I wonder how much that has to do with the person paying them to write the story or the storyteller or, I mean, that could be any of the outside influences to this narrative, right? That, oh, yeah. that could be making him call that out. Could right. be completely irrelevant to the story itself. Yeah, and I thought about a parallel to this. Um, I've thought about it in other times because it is a trope that kind of comes up. And I think it is an attempt to seal veracity into it, to make it appear truthful, uh, truthful mm -hmm. right? Um, is it would be like in a Avengers movie Mm -hmm. if uh, Obama is the president. Right, right, sure, yeah. You know what I mean? And we're like, oh, okay, like, that's, it is now that's a real guy. That. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, and like, uh, they have like a brief conversation or he has, uh, you know, like, and that's it. So it's just kind of like, hey, you know, like, look, <laughs> right. somebody you know, <laughs> you know, so yeah. This is your world. Right, yeah. Okay, this, okay. Yeah. The Duke was received at the King's Palace with much honor and great entertainment and with lords who were all well arrayed. Arrayed here uh, means I think less like um, the way they were positioned and more like decked out with their best stuff. Okay. So they got like their top here, you know, um, on. Yeah. The Duke dwelled with the King there for how long? I cannot tell, which is hilarious because this guy's making this all up. <laughs> you know? yeah. but, and then he says, I have no information about how long he stayed which is doubly weird because, you know, he's now said it twice, <laughs> right? Um, but I think it's also one of these tropes to be um, kind of voracious storytelling, right? Like you leave out some details, you don't have right. all the answers, you know? Yeah, so, it almost yeah. makes you feel more authentic. Like, oh, that's, I don't know that part. Right. Um, I'll tell you what I do know, but I don't know everything. Oh yeah. And, and I think that says something about human desire to want to believe things are true. Mm, or to want other people to believe what you're saying is true. I mean, yeah. both ways, yeah. Definitely both work, but you know, like people like, you know, uh, I teach kids, right? And right. so they're, they will always, when we begin a story, I've, I've taught uh, 10th grade English in the past. Now I do a lot more language stuff, um, like basic language acquisition, but um, kids would always ask like, is this true, mister? You know, of stories that were, yeah. um, you know, uh, fictional, but kind of based in the rules of nonfiction. And uh, they would be so disappointed when I'd say no, you know, like, you know, but it's like, but it, it, anyway, so that's a discussion for a different time. But, but, but that's interesting. I mean, in, so in advertising, one of the things we have to tell clients all the time is to get rid of a lot of details, because if you, if you water down the, if you put too much in a story, people won't be able to focus on the thing you want them to focus on. Right. So, so, well, you know, this isn't a part, this isn't the time to tell them about this particular part of your company, focus on this. Right. So if they ask about that, that's a whole different thing. It's kind of segmenting to focus your audience. Um, you know, don't worry about the time he was there. Don't worry about how long he was there. Worry about what happened when, when he was there. You know what I mean? Like, cause then we're going to start asking questions about what was the season? What did they eat? None of that shit fucking matters. Right. Um, I don't know. Interesting. Yeah, that is interesting. That's a really good connection actually too, just to funnel it back to 
the story because it, it literally does that. So the narrator says, um, of King Arthur, hearken, drink, and hear of a wondrous case, friends, for now begins a game. Without fail, on a day, the duke with the king was set at meat, which means eating a meal, with much pride. He looked about very intently and cast his side to every side and looked at all the guests that sat beside him. So the duke is a little suspicious, kind of peering around. Uh, and this is not well told, really, um, you know, because uh, it's the medieval ages. So a lot of it just kind of repeats. So if it sounds like it's repeating, you're probably not wrong, right? Uh, the Duke is seeing that the King has a bunch of random people uh, of all class seated at the best table, wearing garlands of willows and drinking completely unsuccessfully from a bugle that is being passed around. And he's understandably confused or worried. That's, that's my summation for you. So, you know, I mean, and, yeah. <laughs> so the King noticed the Earl looking around immediately, which is, uh, uh, by the way, if you notice that uh, it changed from Duke to Earl, you are not wrong. They're interchangeable for this guy for some reason. That's not a normal thing, though, right? Like, that's no. two distinct titles. Yes, those are two distinct titles. Um, so I don't know what's going on here, but... Um, Somebody probably asked the storyteller, like, can you tell us that? He's like, I don't have the details of why he had two <laughs> different titles, but let's focus on what's important. Yeah, that's, uh, that's probably exactly what happened, actually. <laughs> um, so this Duke of Earl, which... You know, uh, some readers may remember that song. If you don't, I'm with you. Yeah. I wonder how sick he got of hearing that. Oh my God, right? <laughs> I'm just going to keep using Duke. I ended up, yeah. uh, you know, I thought it was interesting, um, but I just, you know, decided for continuity's sake, yeah. we will stick to Duke and that will be good. It'll help us to keep organized. So, uh, the, the king notices the duke looking around uh, immediately and quickly Arthur laughs at the duke and commands that the duke should be glad. And yet for all his great honor, uh, it's, the narrator now tells us King Arthur was a cuckold, nor did he have any courage to resist uh, keeping his game. So this is kind of a portentous line, but it's definitely the narrator reminding us uh, from the beginning that King Arthur is a cuckold. And I said cuckold twice, two drinks. So... Finally, the duke spoke up and said these words to the king, for he may no longer be silent. Sir, what have these men done that they wear those willow garlands? I would like to know the reason. The king said unto the duke, Sir, these men have hurt no one. They were brought here for my entertainment. <laughs> Which, yeah, they've done nothing. That's the problem. That's, that's why they're here. Yeah. Certainly they are free men. Each one. It doesn't sound like it. It really doesn't sound no. like it if you're being stuck at a goddamn table and just everybody's laughing at you all night. Put on this crown. I don't want to put on the fucking crown. Yeah. They can leave whatever they want. It's yeah. fine. Uh, ha have, have a roast chicken. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like I Eat this meat, sit at this table, wear this crown. I am the king. But look, look, if you don't want to, just tell me. Yeah, right. Yeah. I'm just the king. Just tell me if you don't want to do what I'm asking. It's fine. If if it was Brazilian barbecue, I would probably stay. Yes. <laughs> so, certainly they are free men, each one. None of these men have any gall, but they are seated here for a penance. Their wives, this is great, have to be merchantable. Well, okay. Um, so, merchantable? Like, uh -huh, yeah. 
purchase, like merchandise? Yeah. So it's according to Shuffleton here, it means uh, ready for business or cheap. Also oh, interesting. I'm not going to clown him for that. I feel like a lot of us are ready for business. <laughs> That's, I mean, again, probably too liberal a reading of this text, but uh, good for them. No, I usually wish to be merchantable. <laughs> yeah. Like, <laughs> so, yeah. I don't know too many people who are like, uh, closed. Mm, nothing here. Uh, you want to hear something wilder? Yeah, oh, please. The OED, right? The Oxford English Dictionary. Um, lists this as the earliest instance of the word merchantable. <laughs> so this is this is the first. This, well, I'll be honest. Well, the first recorded. I've heard it. Say again. It's the first time I've heard it. So I mean, <laughs> yes, it didn't catch on. I'm surprised because I'm sure if you are like hardcore into um, commerce, right, where you're like doing stuff, mm -hmm. uh, that probably comes up merchantable. Um, but it, it's weird to me that it comes up in context of like, um, you know, uh, something that's not actually business related, you know, no. it, we're, we're talking about essentially it's sex, right? Like, yeah. Uh, are you down like, to fuck? Right. Are you horny? Right. This seems like the greatest pickup line at like a convention for English nerds. <laughs> yes. Like if you had a shirt that just said merchantable. Oh, that that's is sex. all it yeah. said. Actually, I might, you know what? Yeah. Marcel, we're going to get matching shirts. That's by the way, dude. If you start selling products to support your podcast, that's number one. Oh, yeah. A shirt that says merchantable. Uh-huh. Okay. Text no. me that afterwards because I'm going to look into that shit. I won't, I won't buy one of your shirts. 100%. Yeah. If uh, we, I am planning to monetize. I know a couple of friends who are graphic organizer, uh, graphic designers, and I would love to throw them some stuff. But yes, at some point, we will definitely make some shirts because there's so many we can make from this goddamn shit. Dude, dude, oh, my God. So many, dude. So. I'm loving all of this. Yeah. So... That's cool. Um, um, let's see here. Uh, also, uh, yeah, it's kind of interesting if you think about it from a Marxist lens that women are totally commodifiable and that destroys the earlier reading of King Arthur's idea yeah. that women are in any way, uh, uh, you know, like a proto-feminism that's blossoming. No, know? there's nothing virtuous there. It's, it's, it's a rip. Yeah, exactly. So uh, these merchantable women were generous of their wares. <laughs> Yeah, they were. You know why? Uh, because the husbands weren't using the wares. So they were like, someone put some mileage on this car, please. Absolutely. Good for and, them. And the king continues, and this is kind of interesting, but it says, it seems to be, it seems to me, no harm. The Arthur said that? Yeah, Arthur says that. <laughs> well, that's because he is one and he doesn't... <laughs> <laughs> He doesn't want to talk to like he realizes he knows everybody there knows that Guinevere is getting down right like so he has to be careful because he can make it fun but if he starts talking too much shit everyone's like dude like your lady gets down you know I feel like he's trying to walk a line between ha ah, look at them and then like no no don't look at me look at them you know it's, yeah it's it's kind of weird it is weird um, and there is a bit of a narrative split. So far, only the narrator has told us that uh, Arthur's a cuckold. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Uh, let's see here. And, and that that actually, you know, it is this one actually this time uh, sounds a little more feminist in some ways, except for what, of course, comes immediately next. Because <laughs> King Arthur will go and problematize uh, maybe one of the best feminist lines in medieval history. But he says, a man in love who would crave them, meaning fuck them here to be perfectly lucid, 
would want to do it hastily because they could never, they women could never refuse him. Okay. And so uh, one more time, I'll say that because it is a little confusing. A man in love who would crave them would want to do it hastily because they could never refuse him. I'm not getting this. So he, no they want to go fast so that they can't say no? Yeah. So the, in other words, a man in love is going to take his opportunity to fuck them uh, because those women could never say no to him. Right. And so here's where it gets bad. And I, I broke it down a bit. I thought about this. Um, so this goes from incredibly sympathetic and, uh, and empowering to, oh, those poor women couldn't help themselves, right? Like the women, you know, were just so swooned and like taken in by these men, which means, of course, they have no backbone. Now, that's at best. If you start reading into it, right, they couldn't refuse him. Like maybe- It's uh, a rapey. Like, yes, that's the energy I go for at the, yeah. the blackest side is like they literally can't say no because it's the medieval ages. There is nothing you're going to say, right? And it, it gets to like rape victims. Mm. If you want like a slightly less dark shade, but it's still like super dark, it's because they have money and they're starving. And so they're resorting to prostitution here, right? But mm. I think the idea that, um, you know, and there's lots of rape victims that say, you know, they don't talk about it ever because uh, they don't want to bear the shame. So then uh, they would never say anything to their husbands and they've been just, you know, they're rape victims. Not really. I mean, yeah, you've been cuckolded, but holy shit, dude, like this is fucking horrible all of a sudden. And Arthur's like, like, oh yeah, that happens. You know, like, well, and you've got to wonder how many of these guys with the willow, they're, they're just as shocked as everybody else. Like yeah. they, they go to drink from that cup and they spill and they're like, God damn it. Debbie, yeah. fuck. <laughs> fucking Debbie. They didn't know. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. So we're yeah, making... I'm going to go ahead and lean into the rape on that one. I, I feel like Arthur has not proven himself as, uh, <laughs> as, as feminist leaning thus far. Frat boy, frat boy Artie. Yeah. You know, it's that last part, too, that really just fucks it up. They could not refuse him, you know? Yeah. 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 If, if that hadn't been in there, I, I feel like it would change um, the interpretation somewhat. But mm. Mm. it is in there, and it's not surprising. A lot of this shit is super misogynist, so... <laughs> Uh, Arthur continues and says, all their wives certainly have used the Basque Physica, so, which is bitter medicine, which is a uh, euphemism for sex. They've used the Basque Vamisa? Uh, physica. So like, physica. A, like oh. a physic for like physician. Right. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So uh, which... Uh, Bitter medicine. And so the wives have used this uh, Basca Fisica while these men were out. And often they, the wives, have draw that draft or poured that potion to use well their lecherous craft with the rubbing of their toot, which means asses. So just so we're clear, he's victim blaming the raped women. Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah. Okay. I just wanted to make sure if that sounds about go Arthur. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. I love that last line. We, we established the basic, the bitter medicine, right? That they poured that potion to use well their lecherous craft with the rubbing of their asses. I feel like toot should never have turned into fart because it's so much, it's too cute to be a word about farting. It should have stayed butt. Yeah, right. I wish toot would have stayed like toot toot. Like I, I like, <laughs> as a man who appreciates the bottom I wish that would, I wish toot is the word I could use and not think of stink. Right. 
Yeah, that one's changed a lot. If it helps, it's spelt differently. It's T-O-U-T-E. Oh, that, even that's better. Yeah, right? <laughs> so, that's your second shirt. Toot, right? toot. <laughs> I tooted and booted. Just, yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, King Arthur then says to the Duke, Sir, now I have explained the situation. We should eat now and make glad, and every man can escape his worries. The Duke said to him right away, Then are all of the people at the table cuckolds? Everyone? Uh, once again, I want to bring attention to the fact that King Arthur gets off on having a group of cuckolds in his court, whom he dresses in garlands and willows, has sit at the best table in the hall, feeds them the best food, and has them embarrass themselves by trying to drink out of a horn that won't let them really drink from it at all while everyone else laughs at him. Perfect. Yep. Uh, King Arthur then says, be still. The king then, after the duke's words, sent minstrels to the cuckolds. So now he's sending minstrels to them to make merry among them. And yeah. uh, gladden the cuckolds by and by with harp, fiddle, and song. Well, he can't look. The Duke's being real loud. You got to turn up the volume on the stereo over there, so they don't get all sad again. They know what they are. Yeah. <laughs> they don't need to be reminded. And I think he's like doing this for the Duke too. He's like, no, no, no. Watch this. Go, go, yeah. guys. The music. Remember the music? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's like what is it? Uh, old school. Where it's like earmuffs, and he like covers his kids. Yeah. It's. Yeah. And he bade them to take no grief, but that each man should act to the other with love. For after meat, which is dinner again, uh, without hesitation, the cuckolds should dance together, every man with his brother. 100%. Then began a noble game. The cuckolds came together before the duke and the king in scarlet tunics. Everyone, the cuckolds stood, each one of them ready to begin dancing. So now he's dressed them all in red. Oh my god! And he's gonna have them dance for everybody. Oh my god! No, what's Arthur, wrong with this? Arthur is such an asshole. Such a fucking dick, dude. He's such an asshole. Oh, everybody's gonna need therapy, dude, forever. You know, um, like, you know why don't they make this a movie? Yeah, that's, this is what David Lynch would do if he had a I want, to I do. want the guy who did the Green Knight to do this. <clears throat> that would Absolutely. be a fantastic film. I would watch that. Actually, yeah. <laughs> you could, yeah. yeah. Uh, then the king said at once, go fill my bugle hastily and bring it to my hand. I will discover with this device all who are cuckolds in this whole group. I will endeavor to know who they are. The dukes then said, for charity, which is a medieval interjection, right? Um, with what skill, please tell, can you know who is a cuckold? The king answered the duke Got and my said, cuckold cups, dude. <laughs> you don't know about the power of my cuckold cup? Yeah. Bitch, come here. The cut cup. <laughs> yeah, dude. This is, this is coupled. <laughs> I want you to try to drink from it, duke. Yeah. So you're not far off. The king answered the duke and said, sir, by my hoary beard, which is a gray line, yeah. uh, thou shall see within a throw, which means a moment here, which I think is an interesting line. It's like quick yeah. action, right? Like, like see in a second but right yeah. yeah but it's better you know yeah because it's not a subdivision of time it's arbitrary it's based on like a real thing people do that doesn't take long right yeah you know so anyway um the bugle was brought to the king's hand and arthur said i understand that this horn that you see here cannot be drunk from by any cuckold near or far in the whole of christendom 
If a cuckold tries to drink from this horn, he shall spill on every side, no matter what he tries to do. The cuckold shall not be successful. Said cuckold like four times, drink, drink, drink. The narrator then says, and yet for all his great honor, noble King Arthur himself has encountered such a fate. Mm. Arthur then says, Sir Duke, take and begin our game. So as you said, he's like, hey, you If I'm Duke, off. I'm like, nah, man, I'm cool. I'm not drinking out of the cuckold cup. I'm not doing that. So the Duke says, no, by St. Augustine, that would be <laughs> yeah, to me. <laughs> yeah, yeah the no, Duke... He's... The, the Duke and I are on the same page. No, thank you. I'm, I'm good without this cup. By the way, is Merlin the one who made this cup? Is he in the corner just laughing his fucking ass off the whole time? Yeah, let's put him there. I mean, <laughs> I mean, why not? You yeah. got to imagine he had something to do with the magic. Like he was drunk one night and he's like, you know, it'd be fucking funny. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to charm this cup and anyone whose wife is fooling around on him, they can't fucking drink out of this cup. It's like when you put a fishing line around a dollar and you like pull it down the street and people can't grab it. Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is Merlin's debt butt for adultery. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. Great time. The uh oh. what do you call it? Um which yeah, that also brings to mind that this is like the shittiest medieval uh, you know, magical item you could find. Imagine yeah, you dude. slayed some like, you know, great powerful ogre mage thing. Yeah. And you're like, oh, is it a sword? Is it a like a amazing shield is it you know a, a, a magic ring no you get the horn that the cucks can't drink out of dude what if he got that because arthur was like young and he killed some ogre and some guy was like here all i have is this cuckold cup yeah i don't know man i don't here. know <laughs> just just yeah. fucking take it it's worth the horny horn like what do you <laughs> call a that's I, actually uh where that term comes from no oh yeah you know the horns i was gonna bring yeah. this up at the end but like making horns on somebody's head uh, was like serious because it meant that they were getting cuckled. <gasps> so when you do the bunny ears on the photo, like yes. uh, that thing, it's not bunny ears, man. You're, you're calling you're using, them a cuckold. Uh huh. You're calling them cucks because they I got to do that to everyone I know now. And they're gonna be like, <laughs> Let's do it for t- totally different reasons. And they're gonna be like, Oh, you still, you got me. Uh-huh. Like, yeah, I did, motherfucker. <laughs> uh, so again, uh, the Duke very unpolitely declines and says uh, for honor of my courteousness i would not begin even for a whole realm <laughs> so it's like if you, if, realm. Yeah. he's like no, uh, no. i'm good he's <laughs> like life's fine i don't want to i don't want to play this game this is i am the earl game. and the duke of right. gloucester or gloucester i'm good bro i got yeah. two fucking titles in one area i'm not trying to fuck that up <laughs> or just fuck up my psyche you know yeah. my trust of my wife <laughs> so King Arthur then took the horn and did as he was wont to do before. Okay, so he takes a horn and he drinks because, you know. Uh, but this time, there, a little guile, uh, which means trick here, uh, occurs. Although he thought to have drunk of the best, soon he spilled on his breast within a little while. Uh-oh. So, yeah, for the first time, Arthur's drinking and he can't drink from this thing. He spills it on himself. The cuckolds look at each other and thought of the king as their own brother and were yeah. glad about that. Yeah. They said, he has scorned us many a time and now he is a cuckold fine. He should wear a cuckold's hat. Ooh, I don't know if I would have said that shit. I <laughs> maybe I would have just thought it and told my friends about it, but I'm not sure I would have said that shit out loud. He's not a nice guy. <laughs> no, apparently he's really fucked up. <laughs> but uh, being the true frat boy is anyway, uh, we switch perspectives here. 
The queen was sorely shamed. She's there. She yeah. changed her color less and more, meaning she was blushing from embarrassment. Yeah. Would have gone away if she could. Therewith, the king beheld her and said he should never be so bold to speak against the truth. He said, cuckolds no more will I shame, for I am one. And I ask for no exception, despite all my rents and lands. So in spite of all my money and lands, because, of course, you know, they got a lord system. So he's making money by having uh, literally collecting rent. Right. Yeah. People. Lord Dingies, all now may you know that I may dance in the cuckold row and take you by the hands. Yeah, so he's going to keep doing that shit. (laughs) Yeah, like we're all going to do it, but now I can just play on both teams. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, uh, maybe, you know, I don't know. (laughs) You can read into it a lot of ways. Uh, Then they all agreed on the same words that cuckolds should be seated first at the tables and sit highest in the hall. Of course they should. Uh, Go we lords all the same and dance to make us glee and game for cuckolds have no gall. Uh, no courage to resist an affront is what our editor says. So like, you know, they, they shouldn't, um, uh, they have no, like they'll lose their temper easy. So we need to like mellow everybody down. Right. Okay. That's how I'm reading it. It could be read differently. Um, but it's a hard thing to make sense of. Mm -hmm. So, uh, and, and again, we're at the beginning of writing. So some of it just doesn't translate into what our modern grammar and context in a, in a easy way. And some of it being real, it's just shitty editor. Yeah. Where it's like, you know, nobody proofread this motherfucker. <laughs> so there's just fucking errors there. Yeah. yeah. Well, when you're the only writer in the room and people are like, hey, make sure you change it. Yeah, it's fine. I'm good. Give me my fucking money. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, and soon after that, the king caused the cuckolds, each one to wash the other without lie. So without lie, truthfully drink. No matter what happened, he set them by his own side up at the high dais. So, you know, he's kind of like owning it, right? But they had to, oh, sorry. Back they had to second. wash themselves. Yeah, I don't, what do you want? Why are they washing each other? Fuck, I don't know. They're dirty. <laughs> I feel like Arthur had too much from the cuckold cup. I, I feel like he's just losing his shit now. Yeah, I think he found a regular cup. <laughs> just, yeah. you know, like, just fuck started... it, I'm drinking out the bottle. Yeah. You know, we should just fucking wash each other. <laughs> fucking no one else is going to wash this. This is fucking you wise you and I wise you and you wise me. We're gonna be squeaky clean boys. Whenever is not gonna wash me. Someone else is gonna wash whatever. Fucking motherfucker. Yeah. The the uh mer- merchantable woman. Yeah. Uh, merchantable. <laughs> you merchantable trumpet strumpet. Just uh, merchantable is the best word I've I've, I've heard in a long time. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, God. Okay. So the king himself fetched a garland of willow and set it upon his head because it could not be otherwise. Yeah. Well, he, listen. Yeah. That's, that's, that's what happens. That is what happens. He made the rules. He's going to follow them. He said, Lord Dingies, surely we are all of a brotherhood. I am your own brother. By Jesus Christ, who is above, the man who lay by my queen owes me good love. And interpret that however the fuck you want, because I'm just reading what I got. I feel like Jesus is like, maybe leave me out of this. Yeah. You guys. Jesus definitely wants no part of this. He's, he's good. He's like, I got my own things and problems. I don't need this cuckold party. Oh, yeah. He's having a cigarette in the corner just being like, nah, bro. Yeah, he's with Merlin. Nah. Like, I, you thought this was going to be funny. Like, yeah. <laughs> Arthur continues. 
I would be worthy to honor him, meaning uh, the person who made him a cuckold, right? right? Both in castle and tower with scarlet red and green clothes. For he helped me when I was away to cheer my wife and make mirth for her. For women love well to play. Oh, Arthur, what are you doing? <laughs> He's you making don't. it worse. Yeah. Oh, you cheated on me? Listen, can I meet the guy? I just, I want to thank him for laying the pipe while I was unable. This, oh God. Yeah, and it's because women love well to play. They just can't help themselves, you know? They yeah. just fucking love to fuck. They and, have know. no agency. They're just they're yeah. there for the baby making. Mm-hmm. And, and I mean, what, what's a girl going to, these poor women just walking around, if they accidentally see a penis, I mean, you know what's going to happen. You can't oh, yeah. Them for that. Yeah. Oh my God, Arthur was terrible. Okay. Yeah, he's not great. He's a very oh problematic figure in this one. <laughs> yeah, for most of them. Okay. Yeah. And we'll talk about it a little bit at the end, um, why this one's a, a, a exceptionally problematic. But uh, therefore, sirs, uh, have no doubt, but many shall dance in the cuckold's company both by day and night. And therefore, Lord Dingies, have no worries. Make we marry and let us hold nothing back. All brothers in one company. Then the cuckolds were full blithe, which means like blissful. And thank God a hundred times for truth without doubt. So again, drink. Every cuckold said to the other, King Arthur is our own brother. Therefore, we may be blissful. The Duke of Gloucester truly took his leave and went he home and thanked the king many times. King Arthur left at uh, Carleon. So it's spelled like Scarleon, but uh, Carleon, uh, which is one of King Arthur's home cities. It's in Wales. So, um, again, they're kind of like name dropping a real place, right? Like this is one of his, his hometowns. Yeah. So Arthur leaves at Carleon, uh, or excuse me, lands at Carleon with every one of his cuckolds. Oh, no, it, says, it does say he leaves Carleon uh, with every one of his cuckolds. And he made him both game and glee. A knight there was, without lie, who served at the king's dais. Sir Corneus was his name. And the editor says that there is another Corneus mentioned in uh, Thomas Mallory's Le Morte d'Arthur, uh, but without any suggestion of cuckoldry. So this story seems to have just like borrowed that character and made up this backstory. Mm. Uh, he made this story with his own game and named it after his own name in Herping or Other Glee, which is weird. Um, it means to bear that name whenever the, the, this joke is performed to a harp or other music. So this is probably they had like... Um, harp music in the background playing while somebody told this. Got it, got it. And it does rhyme. It doesn't rhyme in modern English, but there's points where um, you can hear the rhyme because the modern and the um, uh, kind of middle English words are close enough that I can keep the rhyme in there. Um, right. But, you know, they, they used a lot of rhyme for mnemonic reasons. So, you Just know, to help rhyme. remember it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and sometimes there's rules to what letters you could use in each line. I don't know if this is the case with this one. I didn't pay that much of attention. Um, but Anglo-Saxon uh, poetry would do that where they would, you know, if you had an F, you'd have like three to five versions of an F word. Yeah. Right. So that it'd be like, okay, this is the F section and this is the G, you know, and you could kind of like know uh, more or less. It'd help you to remember. Anyway, uh, after no, afterwards, noble King Arthur lived and died with honor, as many have done since, both cuckolds and others. God give us gr- grace that we may go to heaven. Amen. Amen. So wait, why did we even bring up Sir Corn? Corn? Yeah, Sir Ag- yeah. Like, yeah. He's just mentioned as like, he's the guy that made this up. 
if you want to know who who made up this story or who wrote so, the story down, it's Sir Cornius. So who the title is the guy who the title the whole thing is titled after the guy who t- made up the story according to the narrator. Well, it's in the end that it's there, but it it this uh, piece actually doesn't have a title. Titles uh, uh, were usually given by editors. Okay. Yeah, titles weren't invented yet. <laughs> it's weird, but it's true. I mean, it makes sense. I get it. So he's like, yeah, so Sucornius told me this, and then Arthur was fine. Yeah. So the end of the story is they had a cuckold party. Uh, yeah. That's, that's it. And then they're like, King Arthur died with, with honor. Yeah. He had many knights who were cuckolds, and we should all accept cuckolds. Cuckolds are great. This, this feels like it was written by a guy who found out his wife had an affair. Yes, 100%. Yeah. And he's like, it's okay to be cheated on. It's fine. We should celebrate it. It's, yeah. it we're all, I'm sure you are. I'm sure you're like, no, nah, man, my wife's, you know, I'm sure you are. I'm sure I have a cup here. Drink, yeah. out, of, drink out of this. It would be uh, the equivalent to in modern day, you find out that uh, your uh, wife cheated on you, right? Yeah. And then you write like a 72 issue Superman arc where you have Superman be cuckolded. Yep. To try to convince everybody that it's fine, right? And it's, like, it's normal. Superman's cool with it. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, Lois, this is my fault, really, that you're such a whore. <laughs> and then you use it as at the end. Like, what made you come up with this story? Like, well, I just, I've never talked about this before, but my wife had an affair and I felt less than, but it turns out I'm okay because everyone's a cuckold. That's See, right. I'm not sure I would ever have that kind of acceptance. I'd be like, I'm not good with this. This sucks. This is shitty. This is yeah. not, this does, I'm not okay. I mean, I'm okay, but I'm not okay. <laughs> so uh, this does end our tale, but I do have some interesting notes from our editor to read a couple of paragraphs here that give you some great historical comparison and try to make sense of some of this nonsense. Okay. Yeah. Um, though, so quoth Sir Shuffleton. Uh, though the wit of Johnson, Shakespeare, and other Jacobian writers uh, can still, or uh, Jacobian, depending on how you want to pronounce it, can still amuse readers four centuries later, modern audiences can find their innumerable jokes about cuckold husbands a little wearying. This vein of humor has not lasted as well as others, but medieval and Renaissance audiences clearly found cuckoldry highly amusing and even more popular source of humor than corrupt clergy or cunning peasants though the ideal medieval joke combines all three topics into one. If Chaucer's stories of cuckoldry are exceptional for their comic precision, their subject was certainly a very familiar one. Sir Cornius is slightly unusual for jesting about cuckoldry in a locale not ordinarily associated with low humor, the Arthurian court. Yeah. He brought, he brought toilet humor to, uh, to the regal Arthur. Right. Yeah. So we see something like that in the Miller's tale, right? Which does have um, adultery in Chaucer later on, um, mm-hmm. but uh, as another somewhat contemporary uh, comparison, but uh, we'll find out that this story is actually not the first one either. So uh, we'll see here as an Arthurian burlesque, Sir Cornius is not a pioneer. The 13th century Anglo-Norman Lai de Cour tells a very similar story in which a young man gives Arthur a magic horn, which no cuckold can drink from without spilling. So it's like the same fucking story. That's not similar. (laughs) That's the same fucking thing. Yeah, here's where it gets a little different. Arthur drinks, spills, and nearly stabs Queen Guinevere before being restrained. (laughs) So that's a little different. Okay, so Arthur, okay. So Corneas, what he brought to it is like the chill. (laughs) 
Mm-hmm. Like he 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 was like, I hear your story, but I'm gonna make it better because Arthur's not gonna kill anyone. Right. Yeah. So when nearly all the other men present in this earlier story uh, fail to drink from the horn without spilling, Arthur's mood lightens and he forgives his wife. Another 13th century text, the French Libre de Carados, uh, features a similar episode. While either text may be the source for Sir Cornius, it contains major differences present in no other analog. Arthur already horned, uh, excuse me, Arthur already owns the horn at the start of Sir Cornius, and he does not react angrily to his exposure as a cuckold. This may reduce the dramatic progression of the story, but it preserves the general atmosphere of low comedy throughout. This is a genial, frivolous world where cuckolds sit in the seats of honor and are entertained by minstrels before dancing for the entertainment of everyone else. It is not unlike the Arthurian court at the start of Sir Gawain and the Green Knight in its youthful silliness, though in that text there is a competing sense of chivalric pride that only appears in Sir Corneus when the Duke of Gloucester politely refuses to drink from the horn before Arthur. The Arthur of Sir Corneus bears little resemblance to the Arthur of much Middle English literature, where he is celebrated as a great warrior king and national hero. But another Arthurian tradition based in France often imagines an ineffectual Arthur whose own exploits pale in comparison to those of the other knights of the round table. In this tradition, which appears in England in the form of the stanzaic Mort d'Arthur and Mallory's Mort d'Arthur, Lancelot's adulterous affair with Guinevere assumes a greater importance. In Mallory's retelling, Morgan Le Fay sends a charmed horn to the court in order to reveal Guinevere's unfaithfulness. The Ooh. horn is intercepted. Yeah, so that's interesting, right? It becomes like a tool, right, for magic. Mm-hmm. Um, and and the, here's a more interesting name dropping. The horn is intercepted and said in, sent instead to King Mark's court, where it endangers another couple, Tristan and Queen Isolde. Oh, okay. Yeah, the original uh, Romeo and Juliet. Yeah, so, you know, it's kind of connecting a bunch of people through this weird cursed horn yeah also can we just point out that of course the french of course the french were like fuck arthur yeah (laughs) this man his name is arthur you shit (laughs) literally what i was gonna say yeah Yeah, man like of course they were like you know oh really the french told the story and arthur was a douche strange shocking those two have always gotten along so well absolutely and this text is very english but that tradition is very french right yeah totally laying into that i like that i like that they were like uh you know there's a few a few big differences it's not that big like i feel like that's still (laughs) like that's still a lawsuit these days like oh yeah it's listen uh harry potter okay but hear me out he lives in California, not wherever he was before. And they're called School of Warlocks. So it's very different, you see. It's not, and his name is Larry <laughs> Hotter. So it's totally. It's, it's way different. It's yeah. very different. Uh, and they have Larry a game Hotter. called Cribbage, but it's, well, I'm flying yeah. brooms. <laughs> <laughs> they're on vacuum cleaners because brooms, what are they? No one has brooms. What are they? Right. That's stupid. That's Why would true. they? They're on Roombas. Yeah. They, oh my God. They're skating on Roombas. <laughs> yeah. They're air skating on. Okay. Now we're actually getting into some ideas. <laughs> we'll talk later. Yeah. By the way, that's your next shirt is Harry Potter on a Roomba. Yeah. <laughs> and it just says, I'm Larry. That's, yeah. that's it. No one's going to get these shirts, by the way. And I want all of them. Oh yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. 
King Mark, okay, so at this court, right, decides to ignore the horn's evidence, thus ensuring that Tristan and his soul will live and love a little longer before the tragic ends. This dismissal, though considerably more self-deceiving than Arthur's cheerful reaction in Sir Corneas, suggests that medieval literature sees cuckoldry as an inconvenient but unalterable fact, one that must either be suppressed for the sake of male pride or ignored for the sake of the glorious plot lines created by adulterous lovers. Is it, I mean... So, I mean, obviously, I have no way of knowing this, but you've studied this period. Maybe you do. Was adultery just more common? I mean, was it just a thing? Was it truly just, uh, uh, and, and maybe that's a silly question. Maybe there's no way to know. But, I mean, it certainly sounds here like he's saying, like, look, back then, people just fucked. And it just kind of happened, and, and it was what it was. Um, yeah. I don't I, know. I think, let's see here. I mean, there's no way to know, all right? I think the level at which people have sex is probably the same because it is kind of like just a base thing. I think the level at which people were raped was probably much higher, you know? I can tell yeah. you that, you know, and we got that that whole issue here. Um, that being said, you know, like um, some of these, you know, going to war, for instance, right, would take men way long, and there's no guarantee that you're coming back, you know, and that would happen right. all the time. Right. So while people were away on these campaigns for weeks and months and years and whatever, you know, God knows what's happening. And there's a war like every like fucking seems like forever. Right. Like it's just it Notting Hill. Did you ever see Notting Hill? Was that the I, I might have the wrong movie. It was a while ago where all the men went to war and they came back and all the wives had kids with red hair. <laughs> and it was like one redheaded dude that lived in the town. <laughs> no, but yeah, that 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 kind of thing. Yeah, absolutely. That very likely did occur. You know, I can't yeah. tell you for sure, but there was a lot like uh, sailing, you know, if you're a merchant or something like that, or some kind of Lord where you had to go to a different court and kind of like work on a treaty or something, you know, that could take months and, and who's to say they weren't getting down over there either. You know? Well, um, and it just, it, 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 it strikes me as a, you and I perceive the word cuckold. Uh, even like, I think you brought this up at the beginning. What it means now is very different than what it meant 10 years ago, what it meant. 30 years ago, right? So our, our experience is flavoring our sense of humor around that word. And if it was true that, you know, like sex was more common, uh, or, or I guess not promiscuity was more common in some ways, whether that's um, without rape, I'm gonna say without rape for mm -hmm. this example, then that's gonna flavor this one way. If it is just more rape, is happening that's going to flavor it another way if it's there was so much war that you know people got down behind their backs and everyone just it was kind of like an unspoken don't talk about it and it's fine you know kind of a thing that flavors this whole thing a whole nother way so it's yeah. it's interesting that you and i we're going to see it from from today um but i would be curious and and i will never be able to do this i guess but to to try to put that lens of the times on it um which of those jokes lands differently uh or if they don't land right right like if they're written for the rich white male um which i'm guessing they were um and it is really truly about rape and about all these terrible things men can do to women and isn't that funny um if it's a comedy then it becomes a very sad tale now right so it's, right. it's just interesting the different uh, the the way time can affect a reading of a text um, even when it's lasted the, the test of time for so long because it becomes different flavors. 
Right. Yeah. And I would say that the idea of adultery was probably more common or could be more common in the higher class mm -hmm. uh, because this is before like any kind of phones or any of those things. Right. So like um, you would go to a place and it would take you, you know, a while to get there. Right. And then when you left that place, you pretty much never saw those people again. You know, like right. they were just in an area. If you were very lowborn, you see the same people over and over again. And the clergy is very oppressive at this time with shades of up and down. Because that's another thing is we're talking about several hundreds of years that we're right. trying to compartmentalize into what, like one trend. Right. Yep. And yep. it doesn't work like those nope. generalizations don't work. So but, you know, if you're in a, a pretty small town of a couple hundred people, and there's, you know, the priest who's like up in everybody's business and everybody goes to church every Sunday. Everybody knows everybody's business. The chance of adultery there is probably significantly lower. If it does happen, it's very known about. And it's, right. you know, like it is seen as a very shameful thing. Again, if, you know, um, you're married for a political marriage, right, uh, because you have uh, Lance and you need the person next to you to kind of have peace with you. So you marry this dude's daughter, but you're not really into her. Um, but every time you go to your buddy's castle down the way or the capital or whatever it be, right? Like you get down with a bunch of chicks and that's probably like known about, but yep. there's like hardly ever, ever anybody who comes over to talk about it. And so it's just like kind of unknown, you know? Um, so yeah. wealthy people would have a, an advantage, I think, um, because they could leave a lot of the, um, the consequences behind. Sure. Yeah. They don't have it, to deal with it. Right. Right. So interesting. Yeah, uh, these are all assumptions. Um, and as I said, you know, um, we're trying to make some generalizations about the past that just don't work because we're talking about such a huge span of life. And then like, what was the culture like in France? What was it like in Spain? What was it like in Britain? What was it like and in Germany, Norway, Sweden, Russia? You know, like our thoroughly intent doesn't I, I don't believe it matters. Big picture. Um, but this is one of those cases where it would be interesting to know what whoever wrote this, like what point were they trying to make? You know what I mean? Like we joked that, oh, they probably got cheated on and tried to make it seem like it was no big deal. Uh, but is that really what happened? Or was it just some smart ass who was like, you know what, fuck Arthur. I'm gonna, I'm gonna write a tale that, that brings him down a peg, right? You know what I mean? Like it, it would, those are interesting questions to ponder and to discuss. Uh, but at the end of the day, like you said, we don't know, we're not gonna know. Uh, we can guess and talk about it and argue of it, but uh, man, frat boy Arthur, <laughs> I gotta say my favorite character is the Duke and or Earl right. of, of Gloucester. Uh he's and I liked because he's like, I'm not playing. I'm good. Yeah, he's the only one that gets out of here alive. You know? yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Everyone I honestly wonder how he did. Like it would be cool if he showed up to the party and he was like, drink with this. He's like, no, I'm good. And he just left. Yeah. So like if this was a stage play, that dude's got in and out. He's I'm good. This yeah. is chaos. See art. He, uh, Grandpa Simpsons it, you know, comes in, does a spin. I was like, nope, not for me. I'm not <laughs> okay. This, this is a, this is a weird place. You guys are playing weird games, dude. Yeah. This is a whole different kind of King's Cup. I'm not interested. <laughs> Just imagine the visual. The visual is great, right? You it needs to be. Fun. This yeah. would be a spectacular stage play. <laughs> yeah. If you, if you, if you were got a modern writer to try to turn this into a stage play. Uh, it'd be interesting to get like a feminist writer to try to turn this into a stage oh, yeah. play. I feel like you could spin it, you know, you could in the hands of a talented writer. I think this could be a fascinating stage play. This is actually something I, I've never I think twice in my life. I've seen something that said, Oh, that should be theater. But I, this is the kind of theater that could be pretty fun.
Yeah. And it, it would, you know, it's a single location, so it's pretty easy. Uh, yeah. yeah. So, yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, last, let's see, one more paragraph here. Uh, Sir Corneas consistently describes the cuckold to dance in Arthur's court as a brotherhood. This is one of the things we talked about. Yeah. And when Arthur learns that he too is a cuckold, he tells them, we be all of a frayery, right? Uh, a brotherhood, a fraternity. Uh, I am your own brother. So I am just like your brother. Queen Guinevere appears in the poem only briefly blushing. And in a real sense, women are entirely peripheral in this story. Cuckoldry, a crime against male honor, is by its very nature a male obsession. And our, author, our editor nails this fucking thing, I think. 100%. Yeah, but this means that men can also choose to ignore it. The system of honor emerges as an arbitrary male game. Once mm. Arthur declares himself a brother of the cuckolds, rendering them all equal in respect, the poem can, with a straight face, declare that Arthur lived and died with honor, as many a man has done since, right? Both cuckolds and many more. So, right. you know, um, that's kind of interesting, but what it requires is that men lose their male ego and give up kind of like their patriarchal sense of uh, identity through possession of a woman. Yeah, well, and it also, it, 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 it requires the reader to be okay with Arthur's turn. Right. <laughs> like, like, it's like, because I'm not, right? Like, like, Arthur is an asshole, and he's like, oh, I guess I'm part of the people I was making fun of. Well, they're yeah. cool then. Yeah. And I'm like, well, that's not, that's not how apologies work and not how reparations work, man. Like, you got to get in there and do, do, the, do the time. Yeah, uh, do the so, work. So I'm not sure he did that with honor. <laughs> he kind of he feels like the dude who just talks a lot of shit, starts a lot of shit and goes, oh, I fucked up. Oh, well. And gets on with his life without yeah. actually trying to fix this. So, so I hear what that editor's saying, but I feel like, and maybe that was what the story was trying to do, but you really have to be okay with Arthur's to, to somehow in the text find a turn for Arthur that is satisfactory um I, I missed it <laughs> <laughs> no that's a really good point i mean i don't think you know without massive rewrites that you can say in any way that this is a feminist piece no no i think that there are i think it does speak to male fragility right um that yes. kind of thing uh, i think it speaks to like i said um you know male ownership of women's sexuality but ironically, right? Because it's not, I don't think it's trying to critique those things, but I think oh, it no. does. I think it does without intention, right? Like, yeah. no, I think it's actually trying to actively kind of like reinforce them in yes. a way, but yes. soften them to like, you know, don't worry about it so much. Yes. Um, and, uh, you know, that, that's where it's, it's still, you know, cause some people will read these things and be like, see, they're feminists. Right. And it's like, no motherfucker. <laughs> like you totally how, read that wrong. Like, that's, that yeah. You know, like this is very much still reinforcing everything. It's just trying to take the social stigma of that fragile male ego out of it. You know, yeah, it's okay to have a fragile male ego is what it's trying to say. And, right. And really, nah, man, like, <laughs> just, just don't be like that. Right. That's, you know, how about we acknowledge that, uh, well, you know, I've said this before on the podcast, but a sexually uh, power, or excuse me, how do I put it? A sexually empowered woman, right? Is like the scariest thing in the world. To yeah, you're not going to get to a whole lot of shows without being able to talk about that. Right. You're just, no. you're just, I mean, that's a very common theme in what I know of medieval literature. 
uh, I mean, shit, uh, you studied Beowulf. Grendel's, you could do, Grendel's mother, uh, you could do pages, I'm sure people have done pages and pages on the sexual empowerment of Grendel's mother, you know, single mom with a kid and what do they do? Fucking kill her. Of course, um, yeah. It's, it's, there's a, uh, there's no way to, to, you're gonna, those repetitive themes are just gonna come up again and again and again okay. and again. I would argue still today, sexually empowered women are very much pressed, you know, and then society is terrified of them, you know, like, yeah. uh, uh, you know, if you took a polyamorous woman, uh, you know, who is uh, also bisexual, right? Oh, my God, the entire, uh, you know, middle of the country would have an absolute field day with that. You know, so Kylene and I, we have two daughters and Kylene told me early on um that one of the things she never wanted to do was was hide stuff from our girls right, right? like like oh you're not old enough for that like I, I i don't like that phrase um i get why people use it but big fans of that here which has gotten us into a lot of trouble probably <laughs> Good. um but <laughs> but the idea is. there is is kind of what you're talking about right is to it's not it's i think the, the common term now is sex positive but it's just this idea that like you will have your own body you have your own agency and and you know, I lean on my wife for a lot of this because I'm a fucking white male and I've never had an issue. Right. Yeah. <laughs> right? I, I feel like this a little bit of problem for me. Right. And uh, I feel a little uncomfortable even talking about it because yeah. I, I don't want people to feel like I'm the absolute voice on this. But I do understand that like women who, you know, men just like to own women's sexuality. And 100%. that's where, yeah, a lot of things come from. And, you know, that's well, troubling. The <laughs> thing I mean, I mean, you see just as much of that. I've heard, uh, as you would anything, you know what I mean? That's, that's, it's this whole, it's power, man. <laughs> and yeah. I actually would be curious, uh, when you do have, um, you said you, you had a female guest on here last week. Yes. Uh, two weeks ago. Yeah. Did this theme come up then? I, yes, actually it absolutely did. Um, it's still problematic. And actually the story was the birth of Merlin. Oh, interesting. Okay. Yeah. I would, I'm going to have to go back and listen to that because yeah. I would, I was going to su suggest uh, uh, it would be interesting to have a female voice on one of these. Oh, yeah. So, and I've got another um, uh, woman's voice that will be coming on in two weeks, where we're also looking at another one that has a strong, seemingly feminist uh, undercurrent, right? Um, but when you get to the nitty gritty, it's total reinforcement of the patriarchy, right? Like, yeah. there's, um, but that one actually has a better. Um, I want to say it's got a moment where it's like, yes, if you just, again, if you, if you could just take that out, you know, um, it is beautiful by and of itself. Uh, but then, you know, uh, you'll there's see. a line that follows it that fucks it all up. Uh huh. Yeah. yeah. And I don't want to give away too much. Um, no, no, don't. I'll, I'll be listening. I'll be listening. Two more episodes. So um, okay. it'll be number nine. Well, um, look, between the girl you had on last week, the girl you're going to have on a couple of weeks, and me, obviously you've got the three best voices for feminism. <laughs> I am not touching that with a ten. Let me let my let, yeah. my let my let my white privileged maleness help you understand the female struggle. Yeah, let my white passing privilege um, yeah, also yeah, add to me. that, and let's just speak for all women. That sounds you great. Want, listen, that's all I'm here to do. I'm here to help. Yeah, so you just. So I'll see you on um, the canceled Twitter platforms. <laughs> that's right. where I'll find you. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, we didn't even get canceled for good reasons, man. That's horrible. Um, <laughs> let's see here. Uh, oh, yeah. So did this story live up to your expectations about Arthurian legend? 
You know, it did because um, it had the magic. I mean, it had the the the. Uh, I forget what everything I said was, but the the magic. It didn't have the adventure per se. I feel like if you were a cuckold in the court, you went on quite an adventure. Um, usually, you see someone leave somewhere they're comfortable with in a typical Arthurian legend, right? They go on an adventure and they go to some place that challenges everything they believe. And then they kind of like hero's journey, that shit, right? This did that, but brought the outside world to Arthur mm. in a weird way, right? With the willow and the cuckolds and the magical cup, all these elements came to his court um, and quite literally challenged his idea of a cuckold. I'm not satisfied with his flip, but um I think it did. It, it did in a um, tearing it down sort of way. Mm. Um, so yeah, I'm I'm okay with this. It's it's not your typical uh, knighthood. Do you know what I'm saying? Like there's oh no, yeah, yeah. He didn't slay a dragon, right? That that's the um, that's the part where I think like when you say like when to the average person, I believe who at least knows who King Arthur is. If you say hey you know, what do you expect out of a knight's tale? They're going to say chivalry, you know, the knight's going to rescue the yeah. princess, there's going to be a dragon, um, you know, there'll be uh, those things. I don't think anybody in uh, any, anywhere is going to be like, oh, they're going to talk about cuckolds and, you know, King Arthur's going to make fun of them, but then he's going to find out that he is one. You know, like that's, no. that's weird. And I, and, and I think my first thing I said, and we'll have to rewind it, and maybe I sound like a liar to anybody listening, but I think the first thing I said was sex. Yeah, um, I believe that was yep. one of them. I mean, I'm, all, I'm like I said, I've read a couple of them, and and there are some themes that are common th throughout them all. And it always felt like a, a, even the ones that weren't not this one, it always felt like there was this veneer of sexual repression in 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 these tales um, and kind of macho rah, male fragility um, that was almost inspired by by their their sexual ego uh, in a way and so i think i might have been a little bit jaded coming into this perhaps um but i actually thought it i thought it fit pretty well um i do wish there was more merlin sure he's a creepy old fucker and and i, I just i always think of sword in the stone even though it's like the opposite of what merlin actually was like he was just the worst <laughs> but i yeah. love him for it he, um, you should definitely check out the birth of Merlin. Yeah, I will. I will. That sounds great. Yeah, it's pretty cool. It's not bad. Uh, let's see here. Last thing, anything you want to plug about yourself? No, uh, j just if, if, if you didn't hate my voice, you can find me at James Dennis on Twitter, or Instagram, or jamesdennis.com. There's no fun characters or spellings or anything. Um, come talk to me. Uh, when I have new shit, I announce it there. Sweet. Yeah. I just wanted to come here and talk to you and, and do better than Joe. Oh yeah. That's I, it. I, I will let you decide if you did better than Joe once this uh, is on the site and well, on Spotify listen, and iTunes, of course. We'll just both assume that I did. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I will I love you both and I want to keep both as friends. So hey, listen, I saw your wink. Thank you for that. Yeah. <laughs> I, I you're right wink wink we will just not say anything wink wink silence it's consent sometimes but i won't say if it's this time uh and it's certainly not consent in cases of rape so get verbal consent as this episode has said consent is the sexiest aphrodisiac of course um yeah 
This I, episode is sponsored by Consent. Yeah, there we go. That's another great shirt. Um, I, of course, want to plug Team's medieval text, which is meticulously made by the very likely hostage-held scholars at the University of Rochester. They put out their entire catalog for free. That's right. Uh, breaking into the library to steal books would be foolish. They just want you to be literate and dream of medieval men, women, and non-binary people who are probably deeply frustrated because they were born in medieval England. If you go to their website, you can buy their texts. Their paperbacks are quite affordable, while their hardcover books will make you feel like the wizard from Fantasia. Anything you want to say to take us out, James? Yeah, actually, I have a question for you. Yeah. Um, do you non-binary, does that ever come up? In like, medieval literature? Um, I think, sadly, it would probably file under monstrosity, right? Like um, mm. cases of that. Uh, mm. It would be really interesting. I know a lot of transvestitism happens in medieval texts. Really? Um, and there's a lot of books written on that. Yeah, I'll find a couple. Uh, yeah. Um, but there was like this group of knights that used to um, fight and drag. Like they dress up in women's clothing and they'd go to tournaments which are not how we think of them. It wasn't a one-on-one -on -one thing. It was like this giant melee between like, and it, it was done in like a semi nonviolent, like the goal wasn't to, to kill people. The goal, like a war, the goal was to try to capture people. And then you could sell them back to the other side. Oh shit. Like smash bros meets capture the flag. Yeah. It's like that, you know, like, so you'd get with your dudes and if it was like five on one, you'd fuck up that homie and bring them back. And then, and, and if the other guys wouldn't pay, that's your homie. Now you keep them. Yeah. Yeah, yeah listen, and he fights for you. He's like, that's oh, literally okay. how I got all of my friends. Right. <laughs> <It's, yeah. laughs> so this is weird. You know, like nobody does that in a movie either. Like, no. Tournament is one on one because we're all American and we like like a fair fight, you know, like yeah, weight no. categories and all that. No, no fuck dude. that, dude. No. This is warfare. We're going to, you know. Can you like, imagine how sad American audiences would be if they, it was like a movie where it was like five on one and they just beat his ass? That's what they do. Yeah. The, they the underdog doesn't win. Yeah. yeah. Just, and there's not even a story. Like later he just joins them. Nope. Yeah. Like, and then the six of them beat up one other guy, you know, like that's that's how it was though, you know. They're like, this isn't right. They're like, yeah, but it is fucking nonfiction. That's what it is. Yeah. That's what actually happened. Your ideas yeah. have been colored by our modern perceptions. And then we changed the past to meet what we wanted to see and reflect the values that we want, not yep. what was there. So yep. yeah, much like this story, you know, it's just uh, probably things that people don't consider, you know? So anyway. That was awesome. Great. Thank yeah. you for letting me come do this. Of course. Yeah, I'm super stoked. I hope you come back on the show at some point. Yeah, I'm always down. This was great. Sweet. Absolutely. So then for everybody, uh, I wish you a great whatever time of day it is for you. Take care.